0: Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people hello everybody i'm so excited today we have carrie and amy and sarah with us and they are just precious wonderful special needs mamas and um they have a podcast and a book together and i'm really excited to let them share a little bit about that because the book blessed me and the podcast has blessed me and i know it will for you as well so ladies welcome thank you for coming on here today and and chatting with us
1: thank you you for having us
0: um Can we go, can we go around in a circle and kind of go through (laughs) who we are and a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, I can start. I'm Amy Brown. I live in Michigan with my husband, David. Um, We've been married 37 years. We have six kids, three bio, three adopted. Our three adoptive kids have attachment issues, um, mental health issues, fetal alcohol, and one of my adopted, my adopted son has some physical disabilities.
1: So that's me. And I'm Carrie, and I'm from Central Ohio. I've been married to my husband, Bruce, for 23 years, and we have four kids. We have three sons and a daughter. oldest is 20, going down to 13. And our 16-year-old son was prenatally diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And then I always say he took a road less traveled when he was two and a half weeks old. He went into respiratory failure and came home with a trach vet and a feeding tube. He has had 61 surgeries over the last, uh, about the first 14, 15 years of his life. And he's in a, he's a full-time wheelchair user and has had a lot of, had a lot of, we've spent a lot of time in the hospital. So I always call myself the hospital stay expert because we've done a lot in the hospital. And Sarah.
3: Yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah Klein. I live in mid-Missouri with my husband, Craig, been married for 26 years and our two sons, our oldest, Connor, is 23. He's in college and uh, looking to go into mission and ministry work. And then we have a 19-year-old who just graduated high school. His name is TJ, and he is the one, um, he is our son with disabilities. He has an aggressive degenerative form of muscular dystrophy that is terminal. And he was, di- he's 19, almost 20, and he is getting, um, He sorry, he was diagnosed at the age of eight. All
0: okay. right. What I love about y'all's journeys is that they're all so different <laughs> and yet I feel like we struggle with all the same things mm-hmm. and that's yeah. kind of a beautiful, be- awful, beautiful thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the varieties of things that yeah. you deal with on a daily basis that I don't necessarily deal with, but I can relate to you in so many ways. Um, one of the things I love, well, before we jump into that, I how did you guys meet? What was the magic formula here?
1: (laughs) Who wants to tell the story? (laughs) Go ahead, Carrie. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, um, so the three of us joined a mastermind group in 2020. I guess we would have signed up the end of 2019. And, uh, the irony of us meeting is we had our first in-person gathering for this mastermind for writing. We kind of, We connected first over writing, but we were in California like a week before the world shut down with COVID. And uh, one night we just went out to dinner. It was funny because I think all three of us tried to kind of avoid each other a little bit. There was, (laughs) I think, to start, there was about 40 women in this mastermind group. And it's, you know, sometimes you always gravitate towards the other disability mom or special needs mom, but we were, I think we were all trying to find an identity a little bit outside of that at least I was (laughs) and but then one night we went to dinner and I think we closed the place down uh they were (laughs) kicking us out because we just and that and you're right I mean that's just what we connected on was our kids journeys have been so different but we could relate on so many so many levels I don't know do you guys have anything to add no No, except I didn't know you were trying to avoid us
2: (laughs) New information.
1: <laughs> I,
3: I had a feeling, but I just didn't care. <laughs> like she's going to be my friend, whether or not she likes it or not.
0: It's really entertaining. Okay, was this for special needs moms, or was no. it just for writers? And then just the three writers found each other. Yeah. It was mm-hmm.
3: just for writers who put hope out into the world. That was the that's the goal. It's just yeah. writing words of hope, and that's what
0: or started it all. Yeah, so it's just a sweet little divine meeting, right? It that. was definitely. Um, so your book, the other side is special, I got a copy of this and I have loved it. It is so beautifully set up and each, each chapter for, and maybe I shouldn't be the one telling this, but I'm going to just for a hot second. And then I'll let you correct all of my errors here. Um, each chapter takes kind of a hopeless situation and gives light to how it has become hopeful for each of you. And you each get a turn in sharing a story about how that's happened um, I would love to know kind of what that experience was like for you. And if these were all things that you're like, oh, yeah, no problem. I know exactly how to turn this hopeless thing into hopeful, or if it was something you really had to meditate on and think through. I I don't think we had to
3: think through it as long as probably people would think we did. Um, As far as the chapters, the titles of them, because at that point we had had enough time I think we had what one one and a half seasons under our belt so it doesn't sound like a lot but we'd had enough feedback and we have between the three of us we have over 30 years of experience parenting children with disabilities or special needs so we knew what the pain points were for everybody as far as the emotions the big emotions and how to work through them and a lot of them honestly were just how maybe we struggled or failed or (laughs) And maybe not even failed, but we struggled and continued to struggle with them. Mm-hmm. Um, would be a better way to put it. So we just sat down and just, I think we tweaked them once. I, I think, um, and that was just because we're all word nerds and we decided we didn't like the way they sounded. Um, and that was that was really it. And as far as the setup, Amy goes first, Carrie goes second, and I go third. And anybody, it's. It's alphabetical order. There's really no that that's as that's as creative as we
0: got with it. <laughs> I think together. So that's good to Yeah, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. Um Amy and Carrie, did you guys find it difficult to kind of process through those things? Not necessarily the title of the chapter, but just having a story for that and how you've turned it around. Well, so a I, of it is perspective shift, I make right. up. And it's not necessarily like I lived this experience point A to Z, and this is how it went. It's your heart work and your mind work that you've done.
2: Right. I would say, you know, I've been a mom for 31 years. I've had a lot of experience. I have no, I'm never going to run out of stories. I have three kids with attachment disorder and I'm never going to have stories. But for me, it was not hard to write because I'm typically a journaler. So I have been trying to make sense of what was going on in my life with these kids with invisible disabilities and all the shame and behavior stuff that goes with it for so long that it's almost like it was easy to write it. It's like I did all my 10,000 hours, I guess, (laughs) of just journaling what's happening. Why am I feeling this way? So when it was time to write the book, I already had a pretty good idea of um, where I wanted to go. And I would say to people that read it, it's not like, a read our book and you'll never feel guilt again. It's not that kind of... (laughs) it is us in process. It's our lessons learned. We still struggle with those emotions. It's not a, you know, five easy steps, but it's important to know that naming our emotions, that's so important in this step to trying to resolve what we're feeling.
3: Yeah. I appreciate that. I think for me, the hardest part of writing of the writing process, I actually went to some friends cabin on a lake for a week by myself and just to kind of tie some ideas together. And the hardest part was going through, cause I'm an avid journaler as well, like Amy is. And it was going through those old emotions and putting myself back into those situations. Um, and so it was difficult and it was warming as well because I, it was really, I cried so many, so, so much during that week of, for the younger me who just mm. had no idea what i was doing um did a lot of praying hoping hoping that um, whatever hot mess i was then and continue to be now touches somebody that may be going through it that might be feeling guilty over some of the emotions so that was difficult
0: mm. I'll I think try. <laughs> and my journaling and my and all my things I feel like that all the time where I'm all of a sudden like so angry as I'm processing something and I'm like, what in the world like I haven't been angry about this in years but it just rips it all open for you so mm-hmm. I can really relate to that Carrie are you ready
1: I'll try <laughs> yeah I think my process was very similar to Amy and Sarah's to just going back and reading so much of my journals I had kept A Caring Bridge site for my son from the day he was born to inform family and friends about what was going on. And it was very cathartic for me because using Caring Bridge and putting that out into the world, it was fairly private to where you had to have the link in order to read it. But I had to process through so much medical information. My son was in the hospital almost the first three months of his life. And so. I had to process through so much of the information in order to tell other people about it. And I'm a teacher by need, like that was my job (laughs) and I homeschool my kids. So the teaching part is kind of in me. And sometimes I have to be careful, like, you know, not through the book to like teach because that's just kind of part of my personality. But I think one of the things that I just wrestled with in writing it is you know, again, just that tension of like, you can feel anger and yet be comforted by God in the middle of your anger and you can have grief and gratefulness. And, and these things can be held together in the same hands. And, you know, just like we've all said, we don't have this down. We're still, we still pick up the book and go, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I've dealt with that before. This is how I dealt with that. I forgot that I dealt with it that way. And I should use those same strategies again.
0: So I like that you use it as a reference point still. That's precious. Um, Were there any chapters that you just felt like this is my jam? This is where I really thrive. This is something that I feel like I know you don't have it perfect, but that you feel like, yes, this is one that I feel like I've done really well with. Um, I would say, first of
2: all, let me just say back to the book briefly about we didn't see each other's writing. So it was really neat how the Lord wove our stories together. Um, We didn't really overlap. Like we didn't, we wrote our chapters separately, but they all flowed together, which I thought was kind of neat. But
0: um,
2: I would say, and Laura, you and I've talked about this, the guilt and shame chapter is my jam (laughs) because of the nature of our kids' disabilities. And as a mom of kids that act out behaviorally, there's so much shame and guilt in that. So that is something that I had been working on and thinking about for a long time. So that was kind of the area I felt like, okay, the most confident in, because even though I still go back there, I have come a long way from realizing that there's nothing, it's not me that's wrong. And this shame feeling is not okay to feel. I get it when you have a child that's acting out or I mean we've we've been there you've been there Laura it's yeah. <laughs> just like okay it's kind of embarrassing and I I feel like a bad mom but I think that's the one that means the most to me because of the moms I mentor have children with attachment issues and FAS and invisible disabilities and that's where they that's where they come in and have the biggest pain point so I think that is my chapter that means the most to me because I did so much work to get to the point where I could write it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, the chapter was grief. I think Sarah and Amy would actually both agree about this too, because I kind of had felt like, so, you know, I had this prenatal diagnosis and I had read this book. It had been put out by Focus on the Family years ago. And I actually referenced it in the book about how, you know, there's these different stages to the grieving cycle when you're when you, when your child's diagnosed with something. And at the time it just felt like, okay, I I walked through those stages. It's done. I'm very much a box checker. So it's just like, let's just check the box. We've moved on from there. And then my son was about five years old. And when he was five, 2012 was one of the worst years of our lives. I was actually thinking about this. We had so many bad things happen that year. And when he had a, he had a unexplained five-day hospital stay, we, we literally got discharged from the hospital, went to an ENT appointment and then left that appointment with another surgery date scheduled. And it was just crazy. And then like that week, chaos was happening in my home and my kids are really close together in age. And it was trying to run around and do all the stuff for school and everything. And I ended up almost getting into a big, argument with the librarian (laughs) at the library over some like board books that my tiny toddler daughter had ruined. And I got back in the car and I was like crying. And, you know, of course I told this woman, I was never going to darken the doors of that library (laughs) location again (laughs) and things like that anyway. But just, um, I felt like just the Holy spirit said to me, you're grieving And you're always going to be living in the grieving cycle as a special needs mom. And I'm definitely a person who needs to know what to expect in life. And I just felt like it was just such a gift because when these emotions do come up, when I do get angry or we're facing, you know, another milestone that my son can't reach, like he can't drive, he's 16, he's not getting his driver's license, like his two older brothers, I, I can go back and go, okay, I'm grieving. So I feel like that chapter has been a key for me because once I could label it and name it, it, it really has helped me along the journey to be able to identify, oh, this is the stage I'm in, in the grieving cycle. And, and how can I deal with that emotion? I feel like you talking about that in the book
0: was very helpful for me as well. Um, I feel like there's just things that come up and I'm I get ticked off about it. And then I'm like, nope, I'm backing up a little bit because that that's mm-hmm. grief. Like I'm just I'm sad that this is so hard. I'm sad that yeah. always behavior things and always something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was very helpful for me as Glad. well. Sarah, what about you?
3: Mine was the the one on anger. Um that whenever we received my son's diagnosis, I Struggled with my faith. I, I didn't question that there was a God. I just questioned the type of God that I was raised to believe in, and he. I said, I said some mean things about God. I tried to disprove um, Christianity in general. I am a kind of a big nerd in school, and so I just did a lot of research, and I thought. I'm not gonna raise my children to believe what I was raised to believe if I didn't truly believe it. I didn't wanna be a hypocrite. And like I said, I never, I didn't doubt that there was a God. I just didn't, I was so confused and conflicted. Um, I felt like he abandoned me in a huge way. And like, how could he give me this for all intents and purposes, what we were told a healthy baby and then all of a sudden say you have limited time with them left. So I I went through a lot of anger and and I was angry at everybody, I was angry at the doctor who said, Hey, you have a baby. You have a healthy baby boy. <laughs> I was, I was angry at the world and I just started researching and started looking at it from a historical perspective. And, every, and I just felt like God was like, it was such a chain, a pivotal moment for me and my faith I felt like I was a strong Christian beforehand, but I didn't have the kind of relationship I have with him now. I don't have that intimate, I can talk to him, and I trust him now. I think it was surface level. I had gone through some traumas um when I was younger, and I thought I had remained faithful through all of that trauma. And now this is what you give me. And I was really angry. Um And I think it was just like I felt like God was like, I know. And it stinks. And trust me, I know what it's like to go through this with a child. I understand what it's like to lose a child. So we we struggled a lot. I think I struggled more than anything. And I I felt like there was this an abundance of patience from God that I I didn't understand that he had um, fully. So I think it was the best thing that happened to me, because now I there's there's no wavering whatsoever. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have times where I. I'm like, are you kidding me with this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on! It's only Wednesday. <laughs> like, there's just times where it's just too much, and I want to know why. Um, and then I just think, why? Why not? I mean, I guess this is this is just our journey, and I've we're enough into it now where we see that we've received a lot of blessings from it, and it's hard. Um, but I feel like. I know now without a shadow of a doubt that God's going to provide the means and the resources to get through it, um, whatever that looks like.
0: Does your son ever struggle with anger, and how do you help walk him through that?
3: Um, He he struggles with anger. He is actually on the only thing that keeps his. So with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, every muscle in the body deteriorates, and including the heart and lungs. So the only thing that keeps the heart functioning past a, a young child's age is steroids. So he's been on steroids um since he was gosh eight um, yeah um, eight, eight and a half. Um and he uh, when we first put him on steroids here from the, the US, he would ram his head into a wall. He would spit at us, he would claw us, he would yell at us and growl. It was and my husband and I looked at each other and we like, what's an extended, what use is an extended life if he's this miserable? Um, so we made the difficult decision to bring him off of it. Um, and then we ended up finding some from a different country. But in that meantime, we actually, one of the things I, with him, he has a hard time articulating his feelings and his thoughts. Um, he can do he's intelligent, but he just can't communicate that. So. We got feelings cards for him, <laughs> and I'll send you a link. I think they're great. It's a stack of cards that have feelings, and it has the feeling on it with a picture that describes that feeling. And so, if he gets that way, and he's we he's he's ruined three TVs by throwing remotes. And so, we learned very quickly that maybe Xbox wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't his jam. <laughs> so, um, he's only allowed to play in his room with his TV and then he has to replace it now that he's older. If he, um, so we set some boundaries like that, but for the most part, it was this, it was the feelings card. Um, and we would tell him, okay, I want you to pick out five of the cards that you feel the most. Which ones are you feeling right now? And he'd pick out five. And then I'd be like, okay, pick one of those and explain why you're feeling that way. And it helped him process with just one. Um, and what's funny is my husband and I have pulled about out every once in a while <laughs> on each other. <laughs> I'm like, do you need the feelings cards? And he's like, probably. <laughs> so it's just a matter of communicating and helping him communicate what those feelings are. Um, sometimes it is just letting him wear himself out. Honestly, there's not any anything masterful to it sometimes it's just to let him feel it and know that he's safe in the house to feel that way. Um He can be angry. He can be lonely. He can be whatever he wants to be. um, And he gets a choice. Does he want to be, have those feelings with us present or does he want to have those feelings alone? And I think just creating a safe space for him. And sometimes just gritting and white knuckling it through it is the only way.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I, I understand that. (laughs) Um, I would love for you to send the feelings cards Yeah, and I'll share it in the show notes for sure.
3: His therapist actually gave them to us. Um, He used those in therapy. And so he liked them so much. That's why she recommended them. And it has been a game changer for us.
0: But also those. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job. But maybe there's something you've been neglecting, like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home. Or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community. That you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family. And that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. Okay. So as I said before, the other side is special, which is their book. I don't know if I've said that, <laughs> but in each chapter, they take something that's not so stellar and make any, flipping the perspective of it to make it a little bit more stellar. I don't think y'all would use those words. Y'all are a lot more particular <laughs> than I am. Um, but Sarah, can you share, I'm just going to hang out with you for a hot minute. Can you share how that anger was, it tr- turns into comfort? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Can you share kind of your journey and that like switching point for you?
3: For me, that switching point was, oh, um, this is such a hard one. I can hardly tell it without crying. Yeah. Um, I said some really nasty things to God. I was in that's <laughs> in the closet, my walk-in closet, because I was like, if I can be behind three, I had the shower going. I wasn't in the shower, but I had the shower going. I was behind three closed doors so I could cry and nobody would know that I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't show anybody my anger, because that's not what a good Christian does. So I would sit in church on Sunday. I volunteered and taught children, and um, and I was sitting on that closet, and I'm like, how? Can-? <sighs> Geez. um <laughs> like how can you give me this beautiful baby boy and take him like he's gonna die early and it was like he just said I know what it's like to lose a child um but maybe he's here for another purpose and I guess I just realized he can either so he can and I I say this a lot um I just I realized in the, in the in just the this one moment that I was turning his debilitating and terminal diagnosis into a debilitating and terminal life because he was watching me. And so a lot of it at first was just being a mom and thinking, whatever time he has left on this earth, I'm going to make it worthwhile. Um, And then when it was almost like God mourned with me in a way, Um, and that's where I think I'm able to be comforted is that I never felt shame from God. Like, how can you be angry? I have given you this and this, he didn't list all the blessings that I've had. And so how can you be mad at this? Or, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to touch lives. So you just need to get it together, Sarah. It was never, I'd never had that feeling. It was almost like, I know And I'm here, and I love him more than you do. Like that was how I felt. Um, So I remind myself often that he's he's God's child first. He's on loan to me, and so every day that I get him is just another blessing of a day, I guess. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing
0: that. Mm -hmm.
3: I can't I can't tell that story without cry. And i it's been it's been sorry. Timid. Maybe um, I will <laughs> some, some <point. laughs> I feel like we're all yeah. and I think it's not I'll a cry. sad cry. I think it's an overwhelming feeling where I thought I I actually called God in that moment. I said, Are you just a puppet master? Do you do you get your kicks from giving and taking? Do you get your kicks by watching us suffer? I was so angry. And I think that's where the tears are from. It's embarrassment that I said those to God. It was, and then it was just the tears more for the understanding that he gave in those moments and the grace that he gave. Yeah.
0: I think that's what's got me. It's like just the kindness of the Lord in that.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And just his sweetness of sitting with us in our crappy, selfish, self <laughs> I'm not saying it's public to want your child to live by any stretch of the imagination, like right, right. In our our tantrums to him, and again, not referring to you, I'm talking about me. But for him to like sit down and just be with us, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and all this. I've and- called it
3: my quintessential Christian temper tantrum. I've yeah. called it that before in on the podcast, and it is. It's just it's like a child and a and a loving parent guiding them through
2: it. Yeah, and. Also, I would say, Sarah, you said good, you know, we have this idea, good Christian girls don't Mm. get angry or don't, but all these emotions God can handle. And you illustrate that so beautifully. You weren't nice to God. (laughs) You weren't like a nice little anger. Like, I'm kind of mad at you. You were, you uh, spoke out of your heart and God,
0: I think,
3: yeah, I wasn't willing to watch walk away from my faith. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm going to be the biggest brat to where maybe you break up with me first. <laughs> I, I don't know it. Yeah, it is. You have this. Women have this, um, this notion that we are, it's almost we're programmed. You have to be, you have to be sweet. You have to be docile. You have to be submissive. You have to be all of these things, which means, which translates, you can't feel those messy emotions. You can't experience them out loud and that they're. They're not mutually exclusive. They are, it's all in the same. You can be angry and throw a, your temper tantrum and say whatever you want to say and got to work through it. You have to work through it. You can't stay in that space. But yeah, I'm glad you
0: said that, Amy. Um, Carrie, what was from grief to hope? Like, what was your turning point? And that and I realize grief is a cycle and we're not I'm um, like that checking the box, okay yeah. it's already let's be done with it. Like that's that's where I went to live all the time. It's like I already grieved <laughs> this. So I re- I acknowledge that. However, how did how do you feel that's changed to hope?
1: Um you know, I think it. I can't remember exactly when it happened, like in the early days, because I think in the early days of just the diagnosis and all of the things that were going on, I had, I had been a believer for a long time. So it was just like, okay, I I can be very black and white. The Bible says we're going to suffer. We're suffering, you know, kind of here we go. And I didn't really like take it in. It was almost like I just kind of was like, let's just keep moving. And, and in some ways I just had to keep moving. I had three children, three and under when Toby came along. And so we just, I, I never breathed. And um probably more recently is when I've been wrestling through just the grief of God saying no. So one of the things that my son has is a Chiari 2 malformation in his brain. And it just means that different parts of his brain are not the right shape, size, or location in the brain. And that's part of the reason why he went to respiratory failure. So I read this book about spina bifida in the brain and, and all these things that can happen called a Chiari crisis. And literally it was a list of all these things, um, failure to thrive aspiration, um, possibly needing a trach a floppy airway. So I read a list of all these things, Before I'm still pregnant, I'm reading about these things that can happen to him. And I am fervently praying that this doesn't happen. We have very good friends of ours that have a son with a trach ventilator and a feeding tube. Their son's four years older than Toby. And I knew what that life looked like. And I knew I didn't want it. And they have nursing care in their home and everything. And so it's really just, well, all those things that were on that list happened. Every single one. Every single thing I prayed for happened. And I just a couple of years ago, I think I started to learn how to lament that. And the tears come up too, just like Sarah, because I think there's just that it's hard to, it's hard to hold, right? Like who I know God is in my head, but what's actually happening in the reality of my life. And how do you pray for something so specifically and then God just says, no. And for years, I would even tell people God was just preparing me for what was to come. And that is so true in his kindness. I mentioned earlier, I like to know what to expect. And I think he was showing me, Carrie, this is coming. This, this is going to come. So I wasn't completely surprised and shocked by it, but it's been a years, yearly, just many year journey of learning how to lament. And like Sarah said, just being honest with God about how I felt about it and not just glazing over it and not just being able to tell that story and, and not ask the questions. Why do the tears come when I tell the Kiara story to people, my counselor and other people? Well, it's because it still hurts. Like there's still pain there. So I think probably the hope for me is just knowing, like Sarah said, like I have had moments where I felt like God has said, I've watched my son suffer too. And I know what that's like. And um, I always go back to, and I think I put this in the book and I've talked about this before. When Jesus was in the garden the night before the cross and he's praying that the couple pass from him and he's God and he knows the cross is necessary. And we even can read in Ephesians that that was the plan before the foundation of the world. Which is very hard for us, I think, to comprehend in our minds. Like, why in the world did God choose to create us in knowing that his son would need to be sacrificed? Um, but if Jesus in, is in the garden asking for the cup to pass, um, I can tell him anything and, and just knowing that this isn't all there is. There's, you know, there's an eternal perspective. And I just try to keep that in mind in the daily grind of caregiving and yeah, all of that. So, and when, and when the feelings of grief come up, just learning that it's it, I need to be vulnerable enough to take that to God and tell him how I feel about it. Like Sarah, like not stuff it down. Now good Christian girls don't, you know, rant and rave against God, but I can be very, very honest, and I can lament um, these hard things in my life. I would love to know what,
0: just curiosity' sake on my part, knowing I still have a lot of grieving left to do. What moves it from grief to lament for you? And is there a difference?
1: Um, not sure. There's much of a difference. I think. I think sometimes it's just honestly those moments where I just can't take it anymore. You know, like a song will come on or (laughs) the librarian will not be understanding. Like it's something I think sometimes almost that just kind of triggers like, okay, this is so overwhelming. I can't hold this in anymore and I need to, I need to talk about it. I need to pray through the psalms. I need to journal about it. I need to sing about it, you know. I praise and worship music has just been a very deep. Um I've always sang and played the piano and I absolutely just love music and what it does, how it brings our heart and soul and mind together. And so a lot of times those are my places of lament. I think are just honestly those breaking points when it's like I just can't handle this anymore. I can't hold it together Um, because I don't think you can force lament. I think it just comes sometimes out of just, just deep places of pain and recognition of like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Thank you for that. I was not trying to trick you. Yeah, no, it's not, it's a (laughs) tough question, but I, I had to think about it a little bit. I was like, I feel like I might need to lament some things, but I don't even know what that really looks like. So I, well, I, I, I one I of the things, yeah, one of the things that just popped into my head and I've read about this in several books and um, Dr. Allender talks about this with Allender center is um writing out your losses. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to start. John Aldridge talks about this in his book. Resilient is naming Naming what you've lost is sometimes a good place to start, and and why that hurts so much.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Can I add to that, if you don't mind? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a lament worksheet that I give my mentees, um, and <laughs> I'll send you one, Laura. <laughs> um, I need
0: to put a link in here too.
2: I will send it. Yeah. Uh, lament is a lot of the psalms are psalms of lament. So you start with why God, you know, like these, these Psalms of lament are like, why did you let this happen? And then it goes to bash their heads with a rock. You know, they're like really (laughs) scary. Right. So you name, like, why are you letting this happen? Like you really are honest with God. It's almost like a prayer. And then you end with, but I will still see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So Hmm. it's that, I think there's a thing. Okay. I just. I just finished my master's in spiritual formation and they asked us to do a lament practice. I could not get to my room fast enough because I had never done it. And I wrote out very honestly why, you know, I think I wrote something like you asked us to love and our love's not accepted by these children. Like it was just really honest. But then once you kind of get it out, whether that's verbally or you write it and on my lament worksheet, I have some questions you can kind of ask yourself. You always come back to, you ask God to do something like change it, make it better. But if you don't, I know this, that you see us or you love us. And I think that is the process of lament that I had learned from a really wise teacher in grad school and has been so helpful for me too. And the women that I mentor, they, that's what we always start with. And I think we just stuff the grief, you know, it's yeah. whether it's a big thing, like a scary big thing, or it's a little thing, like a little thing, we just keep stuffing it. And once yeah. you start that practice, um, it doesn't have to be for your life. It could be for the state of the world or something terrible that happened to a friend, right. but it's a really powerful practice.
1: Yeah. And I think the hope comes in when we state the truth about who God is mm-hmm. right. In exactly. those situations, that's okay. I know this about God. We've I've seen, I see this in scripture and then I've seen this in my own life. I've seen how he's shown up. I've seen you know, I have felt his comfort. I have felt his love. Yeah.
0: No, oh. I'm excited about looking at that, Amy. I, I need it too. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Put those <laughs> Poetry journaling process that you go through. <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay. So Amy guilt to acceptance. Okay. Well, <laughs> um,
2: I think for me, I mean, I don't struggle with it as much as I used to. I have learned to handle it, but you go into adoption and foster and you, like I already had bio kids. I thought it was a pretty good mom. We had healthy attachment. And then all of a sudden <laughs> here I go. <laughs> and it's a whole nother ball game. And I, it's initially hard. You don't have a set like diagnosis day, like maybe carry or Sarah did in this kind of situation. People are, asking what's going on at home and asking all kinds of things and getting a mental health diagnosis, as you know, Laura's hard. So I just kept pushing that back on me. Like, Oh, I must not love this child enough. It must be me. And that just put me in a spiral of um, shame and shame is guilt is when I think it's Brene Brown. that says guilt is when you've done something wrong. Shame is when you think that you are that something wrong. And I just kept thinking, I am that something wrong. I'm not loving this child well enough. So one of the tools that helped me was naming a situation. Like I I give the example, I think on the podcast that third grade parent teacher conference, the teacher says to me, every single parent teacher conference has been about your daughter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it wasn't like, she's the best fun student here. (laughs) It was not that. And just the shame I felt in that moment. So What I would do, I learned to do is go, here's what happened. Teacher said this, here's the story I'm telling myself. The whole school thinks I'm a terrible mother and the whole United States while we're on the subject. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, and then you state out your truth, like I am loving well. And it's so hard for us to believe. And, you know, like I said, I mentor women that have kids with attachment disorder. And when I tell them, look in the mirror every day and say, I'm loving well, they burst into tears because they don't believe it. And so that kind of practice of naming and recognizing I'm telling myself a story. Now, it's probably not a completely untrue story, because there are probably a lot of people who think I'm a bad mom because they don't understand trauma. But just being able to name that for me and then naming how God speaks into that, I think also understanding trauma and we just didn't have a we don't have a great understanding of it, but it affects so much of this kind of relationship with kids with attachment. And then finally, for me, God's saying, I keep saying, God, I, I love and love, and they just aren't accepting it. They can't take it. And he's reminding me all the time. My love's enough for you. He sees me. He sees the rejection. He sees the frustration. He sees the overworking to try to make a connection that may not happen. And knowing that he sees that and he, his love is enough for me. And I will continue to choose love. And it may not have the um, result I want. But that that shame isn't there anymore. I have a recognition of God's love of the I am loving well, and also trauma has informed so much i can't I can't change generational trauma. I can't change any trauma <laughs> like that's real unrealistic for me to think I could, so that has been a really helpful for me to have that practice and i I can notice when it's shame in my body as a certain feeling. And I will go and think, okay, I need to write this out. I need to think about it. What story are you telling yourself right now? And what story does God speak into your life about who you are in Him?
0: Has that practice gone outside of yourself in that? Like, if you were to re enter that parent teacher conference again, would you tell the teachers, okay, right now, this is the story I'm making up? Yeah. I, first of all, I, I've said this before,
2: I had to learn to get a lot tougher skin. Mm -hmm. And I think once you realize, okay, I'm not the, I'm not the thing that's wrong here. Um, I have been a lot more um, open about, like, I used to just be quiet. I'm not the person that gets mad and spouts off something. I just get quiet and blame myself. And I was just sharing on the podcast that um, I had a lady at church. One of my kids did something and a lady said, my kids would never act that way. And I just said, I'm really glad your kids didn't have as much trauma as my kids. Now, see, I wouldn't have been able to do that in the beginning. I just would have gone away and been sad and thought I'm the worst mother ever. <laughs> so, so yes, that has retrained how my brain thinks about it. And I have, it has helped me to be a lot more. um A lot of the more, more things roll off my back, first of all. And secondly, speaking up for, because there's a lot of denial of trauma sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not afraid to speak into that anymore because I am the expert on my child. And I think that's the other thing when you have behavioral issues, um, all these voices are telling you you're doing something wrong. And when you start saying, I'm the expert on this, this particular child, I don't know everything, but I know this child. And I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. And that has just given me more confidence to be able to do that.
0: I love that. I'm gonna put that on today. Um, <laughs> do you feel? I mean, as you said earlier, Amy, I feel like I the most connection with you because I I get that so much that mm-hmm. both of our kids have. FASD and attachments mm-hmm. and, um, just from my other kiddos that also have like autism and things, um, mm-hmm. but that I biologically birth that connection there just covers, like, there's so much grace in our relationship that I'm just able to just oozes out, like no big deal. Mm-hmm. And when there's not that attachment piece and right. there's the behavior piece, man, it's like a, like a stick of dynamite just thrown into your right. life and It is, and everyone's like, "Well, you clearly yeah. did that to yourself." <laughs> um, we'll about it, and real we'll encouraging, <laughs> and blame it all on you. So, I get that a million percent. Um, y'all, I'm I'm so encouraged by y'all. Thank you for thank writing you. this book. Thank you for joining together and creating your podcast, and for encouraging um mamas often and regularly. <laughs> I'm I'm really grateful uh, for the work y'all are doing. Well, thank, thank you. you. Is there anything else you would like to share to encourage, to, to live on, to put out in the world right now? I, I think the one
3: thing that I have learned is that I don't have to befriend other parents with the same diagnoses as my son. Um, in fact, it's going to teach me more about my child. I know I, Amy, or sorry, Carrie and I text all the time. It, the, when people park in the blue lines, Carrie's my girl. We're gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is so can, I'm tell me not to ram the motorcycle that's parked in the field And but Amy, you've said you didn't you knew it was wrong, but you just didn't know people actually did that or that to that extent until we started talking, until she actually has to listen to us then. Um which is often often she's <laughs> a captive audience. Um but On the flip side of that, too, like Amy's learned about the physical aspects of that or the medical aspects of it where my son, he does not. I mean, he he gets angry and he does act out. But like you said, he has that attachment and he'll tell me I love you 50, 100 times a day. It's constant. And so I don't have that attachment issue. And one of the things that I've learned by being friends with Amy is people are going to line up to help my child. He's, he was the cute little blonde child in the wheelchair with the terminal diagnosis and the whole community pulled together. So we have people lined up to help us move or build a ramp. And I always use the analogy of building a ramp because people can see our, our, our child's struggles. And so our children's struggle. So it's like we have people will build a ramp. We can say, Hey, he needs this because whatever, but to have one of the biggest blessings I've had over the past few years is now I can look at other parents in the grocery store or anything and know what can I do to help be the ramp for them. And because Mm -hmm. their child's throwing, you know, a temper tantrum or they're, they're angry or they're violent in the grocery store, they don't need looks, they don't need anything. You know, it's how can I help them in a way that I don't know. It's just a better understanding. And so before we actually, the three of us met, it just was. I I didn't fully understand that. I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know. And I would say too, just the whole like, um, it can be really hard to find that companionship. And uh, there's just so many that feel so lonely and. Um, I think it takes bravery and courage to reach out. And I would just encourage you who's listening. Um, Like Sarah said, like I've learned so much from both of them and, and especially Amy with where my son is right now in the teenage years. And he's had so many brain surgeries and there are times that I really struggle between what is behavioral, like what can he control and what can he not control? Like I'm in this situation and then we're talking to siblings about this same topic and I have gone to so much shame so many times and Amy whether she realizes it or not has helped me through that and so I just you know would encourage those who listen to like like Sarah said don't find someone who is walking through something hard. It might not be the exact same thing. And you'll be surprised at how much you have in common, how much you can relate.
3: And it'll take time. I mean, I went years without people that I knew I could trust wholeheartedly in a second. Um, And I had relationships with other moms with children with disabilities, that I had to leave because it just wasn't good for either one of us. So I would, I would say, like, well, that's really easy to do. You joined a mastermind with writers group and it just fell into place. Um, Amy and I had been at the same table months prior to that and didn't even know each other. So Mm -hmm. God will put people in your path. You just have to be open to it and it it might take time and it might, it might take a few tries (laughs) to find it.
0: Yeah.
2: Amy, what about you? Well, um, i echo what my, what they, the lady said, but I would say if I could go back, I would tell myself that my well being matters. If I would have taken 10% of the time that I stayed up late, Googling symptoms and figuring out things and gone for a walk or reached out to a friend or took a nap, um, that would have made the journey a lot easier. And I think there's an urgency as moms to think we have to figure it out. We have to do everything right now. And I would want your listeners to know that they matter, their well being matters, not just so they'll be better moms, but because they, um, James Bryant Smith says, and I say this all the time, we, you are one in whom Christ dwells and delights Christ and God, God delights in us and he made us. And I want the listeners to know that their rest, they're drinking water, they're going for a walk, whatever it is that matters and that they are loving well and they're doing good work and, they, and that God sees them.
0: Uh, Y'all, y'all are so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for, (laughs) I just want to say to that also that I have found like my, my sweetest friends have not been other FASD moms, but have been Mm -hmm. friends who have just held my grief and held our journey without judgment and without advice, um, who have just sat in the brokenness with me. And so I think that's very true. It doesn't have to be somebody with your exact circumstances to to walk through that. And I think you guys are a beautiful picture of that. So thank you for sharing your friendship and all of your wisdom with us today.
2: Thanks, thanks for having You're
0: us. Welcome. Thank yeah. you. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.